0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity and thought without creating division and community. I'm your co-host, Matt Fisher. I am the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, lead pastor of Hill City, John Wagler. John, what's going on, man?
1: Matt, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt today. And
0: you're loving it. Loving it. We've also, I like love it. I mean, you yeah. <laughs> literally can't believe it. Um, it's pretty great. I'm, yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. Everyone's
1: um, happier in 70-degree weather. That's true. That's true. We need sun. We need people. <laughs> yeah. We, we need, need, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, there was a lot of life out there today. Uh, people just jogging and animals out, and it's wild um of course it's also richmond so it could be 30 next week so don't oh, so true <laughs> don't get too
1: we're, we're heading to arizona though on sunday so that's
0: okay. oh that's right yeah spring around here is like malaria <laughs> it's for hot sure and it's cold yes <laughs> there's nothing no appropriate clothing for it it's 30 in the morning and 75 in the afternoon but we're thankful for it anyway um how do you we... well you're up and moving i am which yeah. is like Big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. So, I um, that's how my week went. I was standing at the kitchen sink washing my hands, and it felt like somebody jabbed a hot knife into my lower <laughs> back. And uh, I fell over like an old tree and then had to army crawl to my bed. And that's where I stayed for the next 48 hours. <laughs> uh, There's I got, nothing worse
1: than a back injury.
0: It, it really, especially when it's unearned. Yeah. Like, if I would have been doing something. <laughs> That would have been different. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, my, my, uh, I don't know if you can, if I know that my family has back problems, like my mom and my dad both do. My mom really does. But I don't know that it's, that there's any science to say it's hereditary. Yeah. I don't (laughs) don't know know if I inherited it or what. But luckily, it's like, I was joking with, uh, our new producer, Natalie, Mm. uh, the other day that it, um, luckily it's like, because it's in my family, it's like a, um, tradition to teach people how to have a back problem like i've i've known since like 10 years old that like okay if your back goes out just like hit the floor put your (laughs) legs up in a in a like l shape and take some advil (laughs) so yeah i didn't get permanently injured but it's nice to be back on my feet i know it is a good thing how's your week been sans serious back injury
1: it's been good yeah um basketball season's over tough loss last you're night so,
0: you're so happy that it's
1: over yeah I said yeah um but we lost last night and so looking forward to the next one it's a uh, you know it's fun I, it keeps my competitive juices going i as I said last week I think I'm like the oldest dude in the league yeah and so um yeah like, what do
0: you what do you do on the off season to scratch that competitive itch is I mean, I play just... a
1: good amount of golf, but I, you know, there's, it's more just all internally. We, that league, it, it's like all year long. Hmm. So I'll get like a two month break and then
0: you're a competitive. I mean, I know you're not a paid competitive golfer, but like you're the guy, you're a kind of guy who like will go golfing with somebody and like keep score furiously and wonder whether or not you're, you're winning. For sure. That's a real thing. Like
1: to the level of like, I can probably track the other person's score as well in my head. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Yeah, because I feel I like
0: a vibe with golf is like we're just out here. We're like kind of taking a nice walk. But I'm I enjoy that game. part, too,
1: for sure. <laughs> I, I've mellowed out a little bit in all of this. But like, yeah, I mean, my whole life I've been this way. It mm-hmm. just is what it is. I <laughs> I still listen. I still am bitter at eight years old in Tiny Tim baseball. um, We lost one and nothing in the championship because our shortstop m- missed the ball and it um, went through our left fielder's legs, and we lost one to nothing. Anthony and I, known hit that he was a fellow elementary schooler with me. And anyway.
0: I'm really sorry you have to carry all that around. I now.
1: did, you know, it's 35, 36 years of angst. Also, that.
0: Tiny Tim baseball is a, not a good thing to call that baseball. I know. Like, I, I don't even naming, know why it was like that. Naming the league they after. They don't do it anymore. Yeah. But, <laughs> naming the league after a disabled child in a Charles Dickens uh, novel is, <laughs> I know. seems like a... I don't know why they
1: called it that, but that's what it was for eight-year-olds. Very strange. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, um, we are getting ready to do our new segment for 2021, Into the Feed. I'm sorry. I always say Into the Feed. It's from the feed. Mm. We're not going in the computer. The files come out of the computer. (laughs) (laughs) The files are in the computer Um, from the feed, and today we're just going to do an extended from the feed. We're kind of taking a quick break from our relationship series, um, and we will pick that back up next episode. Um, And have some very exciting guests to talk about the Billy Graham rule and just kind of um, like modesty stuff and just like kind of Christian standards of how we conduct ourselves, I guess, and Mm -hmm. like sort of different ideas around that. But um, before we do that, we're going to kind of do this quick, not bonus episode, but just sort of an extended from the feed episode. And so without further ado... All right. So there's really, let's face it, there's only two things in the feed. (laughs) So we could pick either the stimulus check, (laughs) the stimmies going out, whoop, whoop, um, or Beth Moore leaves the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, John, I I saw this, like, when I Googled it, Mm -hmm. um, the first things that came up were, like, Washington Post, New York Times. Like, this is real news. This is not just, like, Christian news. Yeah. but just in case somebody is um not sure like why this is a thing, could you quickly sort of explain what happened and from your point of view why it's a thing?
1: Yeah, so Beth Moore is is the most influential woman speaker in our land.
0: And I don't think that, that that's objective. <laughs> like that, that's yeah, not your opinion, I don't, that's like no, I there's don't. data to support this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean like her Bible studies everything for years I and mean, they're awesome. Like truly awesome. Like I've gone through a couple of them. And um, she's great. In the beginning, it's funny. Like when I first got introduced to her, I, I couldn't handle some of the language because she would just always use the word beloved. And and I couldn't handle it. But then I, that was just immaturity. But like there, she's brilliant. Um, but she's been part of the Southern Baptist denomination her whole life. And so as her voice began to grow in such really large proportions, there was always this tension that was there because the Southern Baptists believe that a woman can't be a pastor. Um, well, she can hypothetically be a pastor, but can't speak to men, mm. and um, and so that the male voice has to be the prominent voice.
0: Sorry, she can't teach. We should clarify. Teach. She to can't men. teach, teach to men. She speak. is allowed. Yeah, it is not Sharia law. Situation. <laughs> Correct. No.
1: So, anyway, um, over the years, uh, it really it started taking shape the most in 2018. Mm. Um, she started just feeling and becoming more vocal about things on Twitter and then has just kind of snowballed since then. And so it started with when she read the transcripts from the access Hollywood tape, um, with Donald Trump and then seeing in particular kind of the Southern Baptist like so strongly for him. Mm -hmm. And then she detailed out her own sexual abuse stuff that she went through. Um, and then she's been like very vocal about white nationalism, um, about, Again, with President Trump, you know, Southern Baptists have had an awful run Mm -hmm. with racism and racist stuff, sexual abuse stuff. Um, And so she's been very vocal. And then I think it was in 19 as well where she was on a panel and she said, coming out of there, she's like she realized that like she's not welcome there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you had some pretty prominent male voices saying that like John MacArthur telling her let me sum up my view. I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially summing up his views of Beth Moore saying, go home. Mm. You know, you've had Albert Moeller, who, um who is a huge, huge voice in Southern Baptist, like say, um, you know, the do the creative order, like the office of head pastor and is reserved for male. you know? And so there were just, there's a lot of tension that's been there and she's, this is no small thing. Like she's, she is again objectively the the biggest voice in particular in southern baptist women mm-hmm. like i i i could be wrong but i think what we'll see is this kind of like reverberation from this moment will be uh we'll start seeing a lot of women questioning mm-hmm. a lot of things in particular in southern baptist but it goes beyond southern mm-hmm. baptist but i think this will be a What could be a huge turning point in Christianity. I know that seems like dramatic, but I think that there's, you know. fair. Yeah, there's just a lot here with it. I mean,
0: again, if we're studying this from like a social anthropology standpoint, let's say you and I were not church leaders or even Christians, and we were just like looking at this from a totally, I guess, scientific or socio-scientific standpoint, it's a big deal. Yeah. Like I I don't think it can be overstated for – folks out there, which I know most of our listenership is probably involved in church in some way or has been. Um, it's a big shift. Like it's bigger yeah. than a lot of, <laughs> it's bigger than a lot of other sold things. She's
1: millions of Bible study. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like her yeah. voice, it's a very, very prominent voice. And you, and the reason why I say, I think there's going to be uh, more to this over the years mm-hmm. is because I, I heard one woman uh, or I read one woman talking about how, she was like, you know, for years we've been saying if if Beth Moore mm. is getting all of this blowback publicly, what the heck is happening privately right. in these conversations? And yeah. and it was impacting these women, but they kind of what this one woman was saying, she's another prominent voice, but she um she was saying that like, you know, we saw Beth holding on, so we're like, well, if Beth can hold on, we can hold on. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I just think there's going to be some larger fallout from all of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, her sort of posture of obviously, yes, kind of since the the Trump tapes, um, which she actually claims is like the sort of a turning point. Yeah. And she even she kind of goes further in saying that it wasn't just um, like, um uh, hard for her as the a uh, survivor of sexual abuse, but also it really brought to light for her, like, well, I was watching the exact same people around me, like, hate Bill Clinton with their whole heart because of the sex, you sure. know, seemingly because of the sex scandal there. And so there was, like, a hypocrisy element of it within her own sort of tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there was, like, the, the morality element of it. Um, and for her to say... I can't even think of another... I mean, I guess maybe like Rob Bell, like kind of just not being a church guy anymore. But even that, he was already so detached from like he any was, mainline... He was
1: a little bit on the margins. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: anyway, like yeah. he kind of... The NUMA stuff or whatever, if anybody remembers that, was like always kind of like pushing the envelope. Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal when he was like, yeah, I'm kind of out. Um, or when people were like, no, you're out. Um I mean, for honestly, her... I mean, honestly,
1: I think... Okay, I, Maybe a, an equivalent would be like Andy Stanley saying, Right. I'm out. Yeah. Like of, it's, a, I mean, he's not nominational, now, but right. you know, yeah. yeah,
0: it's a big deal. I mean, is it for her to have held the position for so long that I will speak out against the flaws, but, um, but I will still stay with the team, you know, because I want the team to be better. Yeah, absolutely. For her to finally reach a point where she's like, Throw her hands up and say, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, yeah, I gotta and move on.
1: Just like everything else. First of all, I would also say she's a wonderful follow on Twitter. <laughs> Man, I mean, she's one of my absolute yeah, favorites. Yeah, I mean, she's amazing. and But she's always handles everything with such grace and class and Jesus centered in everything she does. Yeah. And even when she made this announcement on the interview, like it was done with such class and grace, yeah. you know, talking about her love for so many people within the Southern Baptist. But, mm-hmm. you know, it just she's i think she's like a great model for how to handle a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in your um sort of from your standpoint as uh you know the a teaching pastor of a of a church and somebody who has lived in the like sort of um leadership conference behind the scenes kind of world of the western church over the last what 10 year, 5 or 10 years, um probably longer. Um what is what are the sort of specific implications of this moving forward?
1: So I think what we're seeing is a reckoning that's happening within the church, and I think this is a an example of things that are happening really in a lot of different ways. You know, um, historically, what ends up happening within the church is, in, in America anyway, I would say modern history, mm. um, it feels like black women are the first to— Talk about something mm-hmm. you know then black men and then yeah. white women you know um is like what puts puts before us i heard um lisa harper share something like that you know recently too but um i think there's a reckoning happening within the church because i think what beth is saying and what she's been standing against is um a couple of factors i there is a truth that um white nationalism you know and it's how it's been interwoven with you know christianity Mm -hmm. has been a problem Mm -hmm. um the political power stuff you know that obviously associated with nationalism has been a problem in its relation to the gospel because you don't see it in the gospel Mm -hmm. um i think you know of course racism has been a part i think um the stuff, you know, some of the sexism and everything. I think a lot of this stuff is a reckoning that's happening in the church of decades of of things. And I would also say this, though. I think what's being revealed in the midst of all of this stuff, too, is um, and this is something I think we all play a part in. Mm-hmm. I think this is like uh, there's such a critical spirit within the church right now. Mm-hmm. There's like it's like we love the drama of something.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: And and so like we recently, um, we've had friends go through some hard things mm-hmm. with their business here. And um, you and I have been in conversations with them. And one of the things that's been so off-putting has been that people enjoy the drama more than loving them through it. Mm. And so, but we're seeing this like in all of these conversations too. And I think... Um, I wrote down some scripture passages that I'm like, this is what the Bible talks about. James four, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um he says, Do not speak evil against one another. You know, Matthew seven, Jesus talking about, you know, judge not, lest ye be judged. Galatians five. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. It doesn't say mm-hmm. you live that life, mm-hmm. you're gonna consume one another. Um, And then he goes on to say, Paul says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. He's describing what's happening right now, you know? And I could go on. There's a bunch of different passages, you know, around this, even Proverbs 26, 17, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking on a dog's ears, Mm. you know, and it's, it's all of these scripture passages that are out there that, I, th- to me, when I'm looking at what's happening around Beth, is like, she's speaking to bigger problems, and those bigger problems are something that are causing a reckoning within the church, hmm. and um, the stuff about politics, stuff about race, the stuff about sexism, okay? And those are big problems within the church that historically, as a whole, churches have done a poor job with. I don't... I'll get to that in a second. The the second kind of like branch to this is that when I'm watching people's responses to some of this stuff too, it's like, man, in the Christian world, I, I'm only speaking about Christianity and I obviously, this is everywhere, but like the level of contempt for one another, the mm-hmm. level of criticizing one another, the, the level of negativity, the level of just w- willing to fight one another is also a massive problem. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that too.
0: Where do you think that comes
1: from? I think the level of pride is off the charts right now. Mm -hmm. I think the um, self-centeredness of Western Christianity Mm -hmm. is probably the worst it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that at the heart when you're just so focused on the self and tribalism and self-preservation and everything, it's like the antithesis of what the gospel Mm -hmm and so when when things are set up to be the opposite of the gospel you never get Jesus mm-hmm. and i think that's just what we're seeing
0: yeah i think that i i recently read this word study of the term diabolical or like comes from diabolique and um is you know associated we often associate it with like also demonic or like devil or whatever but really it it stems from this idea um the same prefix as like dialectic or diatribe. It's separating two things and then arguing them, but um, everyone agreeing that one is right and one is wrong. And um, someone said in the in the study uh, that really the way you know something is going to become diabolical is when it considers itself above reproach. Mm. Like the minute that you are um, outside of criticism. You are on your way to being diabolical, and then once you're past that, you're demonic. Mm. Like that's how a a system, uh, and it's usually not a person, um, though it can be. Yeah, um, we see this in like fascism, right? Like once you've ascended to the point of not being able to be criticized anymore, you are well on your way to being
1: totally diabolical. Yeah,
0: right? um, and I think that from my perspective, a lot of what we're seeing, and this isn't an excuse, like, well, people are hurt, so they're going to be mean, you know, whatever, although that is a reason, um, is these systems, whether it's Western Christianity or just your local sort of, like, church eldership or whatever, once you're above reproach, like, once you're above criticism, and we no longer, which you, this is the whole point of this podcast, is, like, we no longer have that midrash of, like, no, you can disagree not just with the other person in your small group, but, like, you can go to the head pastor and be like, I don't really like what you said. Can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah. And, like, and and the pastor have or leader have a real posture of, like, um, not just, like, yeah, I'll hear what you have to say, but I I know I'm right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm above criticism. I'm above reproach. When we have that, what does become engendered in people within the community in the faith is these quiet little, like, Angers or like these quiet, this sort of pettiness, so that when um, somebody trips and falls, they're they're either secretly laughing because they have this like bitterness in them from not being heard or not. Because we know that like so much of what we see is just from people not feeling heard, right? Like sure, um, I just don't feel heard. I don't feel represented, and then that festers, and then all of a sudden you're you know, storming the castle or storming the Capitol or burning down Starbucks or whatever. Um, but I think that that's happening in the church, but it's quiet. You know, there's not, we don't have these big theatrical, well, we do now, but we haven't traditionally had these big theatrical, um, breakings and partings and scandals, but with social media and like Mm -hmm. all of that, like now there are these big, um, kind of theatrical things that play out and what we're finding out is that when we should be rallying as christians or whatever people are really being informed by their sort of secret bitterness because yeah so it could be something big where like yeah i was sexually abused by a leader in my church or or like somebody in my church and they didn't do anything about it or it could be something small like nobody ever responded to my email Mm -hmm. and enough of those unresponded emails eventually gets a person to the point where their heart is like kind of ready to watch somebody go yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like kind of ready to watch somebody fall, like kind of ready to be able to pounce on and say, you know, and, and like pile on when the time comes. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I'm rambling. Yeah, a
1: bit. no, it does. And I also think too, like when you think about, you know, Western Christianity f- forever has been able to kind of do what it's, whatever it's wanted to do. Right. And now a lot of stuff is being called like to the mat here and being account, like, yeah. yeah, it's like, and you're having to deal with, decades and decades and decades of not longer than that but like you know of of crap Mm -hmm. and and i think you know it's interesting i think part of what's again this is why i talked about the pride piece there we've got folks now who will say things like well i wasn't around back then Mm -hmm. well you still are like a part of it because you've attached to it in some kind of way and somehow, maybe even reap a benefit from it, you know what I mean, yeah. or whatever, and so there is like a repentance and a and a humility that has to be there. It doesn't mean that you are what came before you, mm-hmm. but I think you are aware of what you know um those things actually did, and so you respond accordingly, and that doesn't happen right yeah. now in the Christian world. I think the other thing on the pride factor too that's maybe a little bit on the other side of this is this tribalism element that we see everywhere that's uh, this is nothing new like mm-hmm. i mean this has been forever but it's so extreme right now too that thoughtful conversations are becoming harder and harder to have mm-hmm. because of like a deep sense of pride and so this all these divisions that are happening um you know like beth has gotten ripped on certain things that she's saying and and it's funny because. I was watching one exchange with her. This was a long time ago, but she had just made something, some kind about white nationalism. And this person like just took it extreme immediately of like, what about baby killers? And what about, you know, immediately go to like, let's like just rip apart the other side of something. And she wasn't even like talking about that at all, or even saying that like all people are one way, but we get into this mindset. It's like, um, Lacey and I have this, uh, it's probably not a good joke, but um around patriarchy mm-hmm. because someone that we know actually in our church one time like posted something about the patriarchy did and we, and it wasn't patriarchy at all. Mm-hmm. Like she was making a systematic like comment on something that happened to her personally that had nothing to do with patriarchy. It was just like a bad situation, you know. And we were just like, man, we we lump all these things into, like, a system where sometimes it might just be an individual, you know? And so I think a lot of this stuff that we're seeing right now is, like, a reckoning of so many things that have been so bad for so long. And I think it's going to get worse um, for a little bit. But I would also say this as, like, a point of encouragement, honestly. Um, This is literally what the Bible talks about. Mm.
0: This has been happening for a very long time. I
1: mean, when, when people are saying things like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, Jesus and Paul in particular literally map this out for us and how the church is supposed to respond during these times. <laughs> you know, so it, it's not, that's a, like a frustrating part about this. Right now, a lot of times people are like leaving the church or like, you know, whatever. And I understand why some of that stuff happens. But like, I'm like, you know what, church, if you're a Christian – like this is why the Bible has like is an authoritative element in our lives it's like Jesus does teach how to handle this stuff mm-hmm. you know and Paul does teach how what the church should be like in the midst of all this stuff and so
0: yeah and I mean there's a critical thinking element to it like we have to take into account that um you know they didn't they weren't dealing with the internet or even the printing press <laughs> or you know electricity sure. or whatever so we do have to make sure that we stay flexible in some ways as we, like, continue to interpret that stuff. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, this isn't the first time it's happened. It's not the last time it'll the happen. core
1: elements are all the same.
0: Yeah, and it and – it, it, I mean, if you think about it simplistically, in the search for power, which is always happening, right, like there's always a group of usually men who are searching for power to consolidate power and to gain power for themselves for whatever reason. Maybe it's because – mom didn't breastfeed them for long enough, or maybe it's because they're just bad. I don't know. Like, there's a million different, you know, theories. But in the search for power, you know, you can control, once you get to a certain level, you can use military might to control people's bodies. Like, okay, you have to be here this time, or whatever, or else. You can use propaganda to control their minds. So manipulate the educational system, or just put a nice, I always joke about how, like, Um, I feel like so much fascism got far because of good design. Um, Like, if you can come back and look at those posters, they just look nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, you can use propaganda to to control people's minds. You can use the military force to control their bodies. And so the next step is, like, how are you going to control people's hearts? Well, you're going to use the church. Like, you're going to—you know, the empire is going to approach the church or whatever the, like, primary religion is Mm -hmm. in that area and proposition them and say, look— Let's make a deal, because <laughs> we need a little bit of heart control. That's always going to happen. Like, if if this country falls, or if another country completely falls, and we start all over, this will play out again in a hundred years. Totally, like, this is just how how it goes. Yeah, so it's
1: happening everywhere in the world. It's not yeah, just it happens. America. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. it happens. It's ha- it happens with Hinduism in some countries. It happens with Islam. it's happening yeah. with Islam in certain countries. Like, yeah. that's just the thing: the body, heart, and mind. You control. You know, the, you get the military. You got the the educational system, but then to influence the heart, you have to like kind of make a deal with th- whatever the religious institution mm-hmm. is, um, and that's just what it is.
1: Yeah, uh, and this also—I mean, again, we're both Christians, but this this is why I believe Jesus is the hope of the world in the midst of this. Like when you begin to read what He taught, what mm-hmm. the death re- resurrection means, everything it it really is our only hope mm-hmm. in the midst of all this stuff. Yeah, and um, and that's what, you know, someone else asked me, like, what do we do in this stuff? And I was like, we need to be like obsessive about being Jesus centered mm-hmm. in our conversations, in our thoughts, in our presence with people. And, um, we really need to fight the tribalistic nature of, uh, either a making assumptions or big, like you know, sweeping statements or just, you know, fitting into some kind of tribe that feels comfortable. You know, it's, it's, um, I think if we could be truly Jesus centered, bounce all of our opinions off of Jesus and like really do that and then really fight this, this love, like to be thoughtful in our conversations, meaning like don't say all white people, all black people, all white men, all white women, all. Latino brother, you know, like, don't do those things and really be thoughtful on how we engage. It would make a massive difference.
0: Yeah, and I think some of, like, I think some of what you are talking about earlier where we take an individual um, injustice and make it systematic, um, I definitely think that that is misapplied. But also, it feels like we're trying to figure that out. Like, we're trying, there's society or, like, um, group psychology is trying it seems like to course correct a little bit and say things like not all white people but whiteness like not all men but patriarchy like trying to to almost separate the systematic ideolo- ideological system of it from the people so that not that the people aren't not to avail the people of responsibility but so that we can like figure out what the actual problem is rather than just now, of course, like any, you know, day on Twitter or whatever, you're not going to see that. Correct. But I think in general, yeah. like I've seen the more thoughtful on all sides of, this, of the conversation, I've seen the more thoughtful voices pushing toward that of like, um, let's figure out how this isn't these people and rather figure out how it's this system and how that's affecting the thoughts and, and hearts of like these people.
1: Yeah. I just think some of this stuff is so complicated and some of these conversations are like six seconds old. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we're jumping way too quickly into stuff. Yeah. And that's, you know?
0: yeah. And that's another thing that I find a lot of hope in is, you know, when you're in the forest, it's hard to see the or when you're, you know, when you're in the forest, you can see the trees, but it's hard to see the whole forest. Right. Um, like, we're in it right now, so it feels long, and it feels um, difficult, um, and it feels bogged down. But the reality of it is, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, that said, um, somebody actually, somebody was like, well, hasn't Christianity failed? And he was like, I don't know, we haven't tried it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was, you know, not that long ago, 50 years ago, or something like that. Um, and there's an aspect to this that, like, Jesus, the things that Jesus taught, and who Jesus was, was probably millennia ahead of where we were ready to be. Like, that's why we're still, that's why things like physics and psychology and stuff are, like, playing out these biblical truths. And we're really still maybe in the infancy of this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, we think, oh, 2,000 years, that's enough for anything to happen. But, like, Hinduism has been around for, like, Vedic texts are so old. (laughs) Like, Jewish tradition is so old. Like, it takes a while for a thing to, catch up with where it's going. You know, it's like if you were to take a time machine a hundred years ago and pull your iPhone out in like a public square and show it to everybody, they would burn you as a witch. Like they would be like, this is insane. And in the same way, like the ideas um, that Jesus gives us in the gospels, we're still sort of rushing to catch up. We still don't fully like, it was very apparent that the people around him didn't fully understand Because they all ran away, and like you know, he's constantly frustrated with Peter, who was the rock of the church, Mm being (laughs) like, "You don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it," and even Paul like has a certain um, humbleness to him that's just like he's also rushing to catch up to get it. We're all rushing to catch up to this absolutely like transcendent uh, reality that Jesus presents us with.
1: Yeah, and the thing that separates a Paul and a Peter and those guys, you know, obviously after the resurrection, was there. They were not faultless, but they were consumed with fighting for the way of Jesus. Hmm. And right now, and they were able to speed up their process, so to speak. You know, Right now, that is part of the huge problem in the church. We are not consumed to want to follow Jesus. We aren't consumed to want to dig into his teachings. We aren't consumed by that. We like to sprinkle him in and mm-hmm. kind of make them our own version mm-hmm. you know and so when you begin to kind of be consumed and kind of obsessed with jesus you know in a good way mm-hmm. that's what like starts to change stuff you know and and we just as a whole there are people who do this obviously um but that's been part of the problem in the church you know and and this is why jesus talked about all the time like power and wealth and stuff not that wealth's bad but like these things can corrupt, you know, and, and so we, this is what we see, you know, when, whenever, whenever the church is in center of power and position and privilege, like it doesn't live out the teachings of Jesus when it's on the margins, it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: There's, There's a whole other podcast <laughs> here to talk about Beth Moore leaving. And if all of the women who, you know, I don't want to say follow her cause I don't think she'd like that either, no. but you know, all the women that look up to her yeah. or see her which also, there's a whole nother podcast that we could talk about how we sort of in our individualistic culture undercut the importance of elders, or or like totally. like look, I study this guy like this or this woman, and like this is somebody who they're not Jesus, but like this is somebody who's like sort of yoke I you know, yeah. have have taken on. Yeah. Um, so and the, if these women <laughs> do leave the SBC. It's going to be a great example of, like, what we talk about a lot, that, like, if women disappeared tomorrow, no one would be at church. <laughs> like, there would be— There'd
1: be a lot less people in church. There, you Those know, like,
0: sure. we, we talked about it with, on the episode with um, Natalie and DeAndra that, like, um, you know, women are, like, the driving force of the church in a lot of totally. ways. And so it'll be interesting to see both for the SBC, but then also for the SBC as sort of a, like, microcosm of, of the larger church— if there's a huge female exodus, what what happens? Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> it would be fascinating.
1: It would be, yeah, no doubt.
0: Thanks for joining us, uh, everyone, for this extended from the feed segment and this episode of Stay Curious. If you have questions, quips, quotes, comments, or concerns, you can email them to Curious at hillcityrva.com. Please rate and review the podcast and share it so other people can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember to stay curious.